0: Welcome back to Rupture Radio, a weekly look at news, politics and culture from a socialist perspective. I'm Kean Prendival, one of the Rupture hosts, and this week I'm joined by Des Henley, People Before Profit doll researcher and member of the Rupture editorial board, and I have him on to talk to him about an article he's working on for the forthcoming issue of Rupture magazine. Currently, I think the, the draft title of the article, Des, is a Plan to Fail, and it's, it's taking a deep dive into the government's climate action yeah. plan, but... Uh, welcome, welcome back, Des. How 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 are you going? How are you getting on?
1: Uh, very good. Um, good to be back. It's a wet, miserable morning here at the moment, but uh, yeah, I
0: mean, just keep I plugging been... away. The 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 holiday season is upon us. The Paddy's Day is only around the corner now, so you can schools out for a little bit. You know, um, so a bit of a weekend buzz, hopefully. Uh, um, so. Uh, uh, we've decided to take a, a break from talking about the gloom and doom of of uh, uh world war 3 and instead talk about that the other apocalypse facing us which is uh, um, climate d- destruction um so before we jump into the weeds on the climate action plan from the government and its weaknesses and all that maybe paint us a little bit of a picture overall uh, in terms of the the scale of the climate crisis we're facing and the latest report from the IPCC sort of uh has more worrying calls to action as to what, what kind of action is needed and the, the problems we're facing. Could you maybe yeah. paint that backdrop for us a bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the the news flow, uh, the IPCC was back in the news in that it had a new report out in the last week. Um, part of this sixth assessment report cycle, it's a whole series of reports. The first of them came out in August of last year, uh, which was around the science of climate change. Um, This report in the last few days was part of the same cycle, but focusing on impact adaptation vulnerability. Um, So, uh, and it's, you know, it's another stark report. It was also pretty stark in how it kind of got lost, you know, understandable in some ways in in what's happening with, you know, Putin's invasion of of Ukraine. Um, But it, it brings us back to, just how serious the situation is in relation to in relation to to climate change, the speed um, of what's happening, and the you know the the the, the risk of extremely uh, dangerous and uh, catastrophic catastrophic damage w- within coming
0: decades. And it seems like every one of these IPCC reports that comes out just notches up the catastrophe that we're facing. And I see yeah. that. In this latest one, they're starting to talk about the like one of their forecasts now is called an apocalyptic, uh, um, future. That they're literally starting to talk about that scale of crisis that we yeah. should be facing,
1: yeah. And like it was in the August report as well. It it's something that I don't think got you know as much um coverage as it should because. The, the reports are based on a series of scenarios, as they would need to be when you're looking through an entire century. You know, there's various pathways that uh, uh, society could take. Um, and, you know, the, the scenario that they've called most likely uh, has temperatures reaching um, uh, pretty catastrophic 2.7 degrees above pre-industrial levels by the end of this century. Um and um you know that that's based on emissions pretty much plateauing uh, annually where they are now um and starting to reduce then in the second half uh, of the century um but all, what the other key scenario that, that that I spent some time looking at was this um uh, what well, what they do label themselves as the apocalyptic scenario in which they would uh, that would be brought on by Emissions annually doubling by about 2050 uh, as the uh, global economy continues to grow, largely driven by fossil fuels. You know, and doubling by 2050, so it might sound like a lot, but that really it, it, two and a half, three percent growth per annum, um, you know, compounded, will get you to that. So it it is uh, a plausible uh, scenario and, and becoming I'll more. Think that, that's at
0: a that's at a global level as well. So you could have. Within that, you could have some countries could be reducing emissions a bit, but other countries could be driving up emissions and you could still have that 2 3% growth. And that's, in reality, that's what we've had uh, um, uh, uh, in the past 20 or 30 years since yep. we've been all the talk of climate uh, change and, and doing something about it. Actually, we've had around that 2%, 3% uh, um, emissions growth in, in general. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, that's the track we're currently on. and uh, And that track, you know, brings us to... Temperature increases by the end of this century uh, within a range. The midpoint, I think, the IPCC had is was four point four degrees centigrade. So the top of the range four point eight. I mean, these are civilization-ending temperature increases. They 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 simply are. And this has been flagged. It's a plausible track. Uh, that's the world we're living in, you know. And it's uh, so when when we talk about backdrop, that's the backdrop that we need to deal with.
0: I saw one, and this was a report like ten years ago, and it was a U.S. Was a report done for the U.S. military discussing the, like military impact of climate disaster, and one of its uh, scenarios that they talked about, they literally said would be like Mad Max only worse, Uh, uh, like so that kind of uh, post-apocalyptic destruction of civilization, and that was one of the scenarios they were they were planning out how they could maintain their grip on the world, uh, um, and the so the geopolitical ramifications of it, you know, uh, um, but uh, that is one of the fears, and the, the other just before we get move on a bit, the other thing that just strikes you is that like the one, trying to stay within 1.5 degrees, which had always been, that was always the pledge. There's been international conference after international conference where they said, we're going to stay into under 1.5 degrees. That's what they say. But now the IPC is describing that as the optimistic scenario, you know? What had always been the target before is now the like cherry on top. Sure, that would be great if we managed it, but we're not going to. And it's just that, that sort of mission drift that we're seeing, you know?
1: Yeah. And and that's something, you know, when I get into the climate action plan, you see this constant slippage, you know, um, and it's almost like what's called, uh, it's a slow no, you know, th- they're not going to reach, uh, keep it to 1.5, or they're not going to say that up front. So they're just, you know, it feels like there's this drip feed of a slow no coming through. Um, so, you know, for people like us, have to, recognize that um, and recognize that the the, the trajectory is one that is extremely
0: alarming. Okay, so that's the backdrop. Extremely alarming apocalypses like apocalyptic scenarios are real possibilities now uh, um, that are being talked about. And then what is the government's response uh, um, in Ireland? So they've launched their climate action plan last November. You've been digging into it there's been lots of different reports, but this article that you're publishing now is going to dig a bit deeper into some of the the figures. But first of all, give us like the overarching, what are the weaknesses in this climate action plan?
1: Yeah. So as you say, it was published in November. It was pu- published in or around um, COP26. Um, but, um, you know, immediately when you get into it, you you start finding lots of, of weaknesses to it. Um, so the sort of commitments um uh, that, that it has. Um, well, actually, the, 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 there's. it's worth reading the earlier chapters um, for some of the analysis. I mean, there's good stuff there in terms of analysis of Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions record. It points out that agriculture is by far our biggest sector, um, 37% uh, in 2020, uh, 37% of greenhouse gas emissions coming from the climate sector. Transport at second at just fractionally under 18% the energy sector 15% um and it also points out that you know despite the the very severe covid-19 restrictions in 2020 when you know we were in almost complete lockdown for large parts uh, of the year emissions only dropped by 3.6% over 2019 so it gives you a sense of the challenge uh, that we have in terms of uh, what we need to do so setting the scene for for the For the Climate Action Plan. Um, And 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 in fact, emissions actually grew in the agricultural sector in 2020, which is again another cause for for alarm. Um, So the plan itself, um, it commits to um, getting to net zero emissions by uh, by 2050 um, and a cut of 51% by 2030 compared to 2018 levels. uh, one of the things I noticed uh, first up is that, you know, that, that's actually less ambitious than the U- EU's own European Green Deal. That targets a cut of 55% by 2030, but compared to 1990 levels, and that, that's that is the material difference. So if you use the 1990 starting point, then the Climate Action Plan actions and targets only gets you a reduction of about 45%. So that is uh, that, that that's a problem that emerges at, at the outset.
0: So even Um, even at its most ambitious, even if it reached all its goals, it's still a good 10% behind the EU goal. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, it's one of the first areas of slipping, if you like.
0: I'm sure the EU goal itself is also, like, inadequate. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. you know, because sitting over this, and it's worth just drawing that out, is that, um, you know, the United Nations Environmental Programme is looking for um, greenhouse gas emissions on average across the planet of seven point six percent per annum uh, out to to twenty thirty, uh, and that's to try and keep to the one point five. You know, uh, and you know a lot of the science and the more recent science, science is already saying that that's going to be. Uh, Inadequate, um, probably inadequate by a long way. So you know, we're we're you know, when we talk about that benchmark, that's a benchmark that itself is not going to be good enough. So um, so that's kind of uh, the the the, the global framework. Then the EU sets their their target, and now the climate action plan uh, comes in. Um, But you know, as I'll maybe come on to um, you know the the seven point six. you know, in the programme for government in Fall Fine and Green's programme for government, the commitment is just uh, 7%, you know, down from 7.6. Um, and I'll come on to the carbon budgets, there's further slippage in there. So, um, so that's kind of you know, at the top
0: level of the climate action plan. OK, so then you have this slippage from 7.6 in the EU to 7 um, in the programme for government but then the climate action plan itself where the rubber meets the road so to speak um even in its targets you you're highlighting how actually there's further slippage, slippage from 7% yeah. down to like 5.6 or something
1: yeah yeah um well the, the first area to to call out as you go in you know into the from about chapter 4 onwards in the climate action plan uh, report uh, and it goes through um <clears throat> What they call core measures and further measures. Um, so, um, you know, e- each of the main sectors um, the, in the economy. So the, the plan is broken out into this. so there's agriculture, energy, the built environment, uh, transport, um, and there's at least one more that which slips my mind at the moment. So it, it goes through each of those, and then they have targets for uh, each of by each of those. Sectors, but the targets are set within range ranges, and they're quite wide ranges. Um, And the gaps between the top and the bottom of these um, what we see are heavily dependent on 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 processes and technologies that are are kind of unproven, that they're uncosted, or they're not currently scalable, uh, or possibly all of the above. Um, So. Uh, you know, just to give a little more detail on that, so they've got these what they call core measures first. Um, and it, the plan defines these as the, uh, and the quote actually says that it's it covered the established fundamentals of decarbonization, such as developing renewable power for electricity supply, electrification across demand sectors and demand management measures. Now, you know, in short, you know, reasonably reliable measures that yeah. you can expect to, to deliver but the reporting so that's
0: like things you know will work if you if you if you were trying to draw an analogy with between this and like getting healthier or getting fit that's like the plan to do exercise and to restrict your calories or whatever and that stuff that you know will work to make you fitter um, but then the the further measures is where it's like the uh the hail mary sort of approach the ho- hit and hope and maybe something magically will come along and 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 save us kind yeah. of stuff
1: yeah, because the report again itself says that the core measures won't be enough; they're not sufficient mm-hmm. to achieve the, these targets. So they 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 go in then to talk about what they categorise as further measures that will be necessary to reach the 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 fifty one percent emissions cut target. So, and these are are described in the report as more technically challenging or not yet available at scale in Ireland. You know, and you know you read something like that and you go, well, okay, what what is this? You know, you've got a plan based on this sort of stuff. So, um, you yeah. And and it talks about the potential impact and the cost of these will evolve over the coming decades, and they'll do further work to refine the potential of these measures and work them into future action plans. Um, And, and, you know, again, they give a bit more detail. They're talking about biogas and uh, biomethane um, uh, that that are currently limited in supply, green hydrogen, um, where... Electrolysis technologies are still being developed, and costs are relatively high. And you know, carbon capture and storage is mentioned in there, which again will set off a lot of alarm bells. Um, so, these are forms of energy production and uh, and, and technologies that are, are best unproven, um, you know, highly spe- speculative, and, and potentially damaging to the process of trying to de- decarbonize uh, the world. But yet, a large proportion of the planned reduction targets. Um, are, are tagged to those, um, it's kind of hard. The, the plan is not the easiest to get your head around. It's a bit inconsistent, and there's gaps in the data by by sector. But it can, when you dig into it, you know, so there's that 51% target reduction. If you go to the top of the range for each sector, you get to about a reduction of 37%. So that leaves a big chunk, uh, about 14 points, to come from these other
0: other areas. You know, so, and, hmm. and just to consider, like these these further so the, these further measures are technologies that don't currently exist or don't currently work. Um, it is like as a way of getting healthy or whatever. It's hoping that in future medicine will just get better and will be able to instead of quitting smoking, I'll hope that in future cancer care will get better and will be able to zap the cancer right out of me. Kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like it is literally just hoping that some technology in the future that maybe we have some idea about. Maybe it's like, but it's currently just an idea and it's hoping that that'll get us that extra 14%. I
1: I think um, that's a fair summary of exactly what it is. And, you know, and it appears to me when going through the data that between a a quarter and a third of the planned target reductions are in that speculative further measures category. Mm -hmm. And that's another uh, big area for concern in relation to the Climate Action Plan.
0: Um, Okay, so... These are the these are the headline figures. Uh, um, how it's 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 not working, uh, um, or where it's failing and falling down. Are there other bigger picture conceptual problems as to how it's working? I know you were pointing out to Barry Mac, Professor Barry McMullen pointed out that the plan doesn't even factor in aviation uh, emissions and shipping emissions as well, yeah. which seems to be another.
1: That's right, and I think that that has come out. You know, since the climate action plan, then we've had these um, carbon budgets that have now been approved by the Oroctus Committee on on climate action. Um, and um, you know, so th- this has shown that the uh, carbon budgets are based on annual reductions of five point seven percent per annum out to twenty thirty. So you've you know you've gone from the seven point six, you know, which for a developed world should have been probably above eight. But it's gone seven point six down to seven percent in the programme for government down to uh, now we're at five point seven percent in the period to twenty thirty, according to the um these carbon budgets. And and, and even within that, then there, there's actually two carbon budgets been been agreed by the Oracle's committee, one for twenty twenty-one to twenty twenty-five, and a second one from for twenty-six to twenty thirty. Um and there's backloading then. So for the period twenty twenty one to twenty twenty five the annual reduction target is just four point eight percent so you know we're down another thing with backloading um somehow we're going to get to eight point three percent per year for the second five year budget in the in the second half of the uh of the decade
0: so um, which, is, hmm. which is i'm which is i'm which is in my analogy that's like i'm I'm going to do exercise in five years' time that's how my plan to get fit is in five years' time I'll start doing exercise
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> sit sit on the couch for the first half of the decade and then it'll all happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then... <laughs> um, and uh, and, and uh, you're right, Barry, uh, Barry McMullen, so he's a professor in Dublin City University. So he appe- what was one of a, a number of really good a- expert witnesses that appeared at the Oroctus Committee a few weeks back. And one of the things that he brought out that I thought was interesting, and that I hadn't quite clocked for how important it was, is that, you know, through a kind of a legalistic mechanism, um, the, you know, the, the carbon budgets don't deal, and the Climate Action Plan don't deal with aviation and uh, shipping emissions. And for Ireland in particular, we've got a lot of aviation emissions and they're simply excluded. So the 51% target is is, is for our emissions excluding uh, that whole block with nothing in there to deal with those. So, you know, there's another uh, big gap in in what we, we can see is a a pretty weak plan that's got a lot of ho- holes in it already. So yeah, that that's, that's that's pretty alarming as well.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's like um, there's a Douglas Adams had a quote uh, um, the you know the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He he said uh, I I love deadlines. I love the whooshing sound they make as they fly by. Um, and it seems like like this is like just like the government sets these targets, uh, um, and then like actually like you have this on paper a target seven point six and then actually that fall collapses and that's really a seven. And then actually when you dig in further it's really five point four. And then actually that five point four isn't even including um aviation. It's just yeah uh, that that is a, the tail of this. You know, you follow, yeah
1: that's the tail here then as you follow it down through. So uh so yeah um so that's kind of you know the, the overall picture as I would see it.
0: Yeah. And then the you then, the article then is digging in more into some of the specific chapters. Obviously, we don't have time to go into each and every one of the, each and every one of them, and we need to leave some stuff for people to actually buy the magazine and get all the detail, you know. Um, but uh, uh, let's take a look at some of them. You you in particular talk a bit about the transport chapter in the plans and like further major weaknesses in 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 that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I focus in particular on transport because. Well, you know, free public transport is just such a thing that would be, you know, so easy to do. A lot of cities around the world are doing it. Um, um, you know, even based on the, the, the government's very limited approach to these things, they, they, you know, that this sh- should be doable, and yet, you know, we're we're far away from it. So I looked at, the, you know, what is it within the transport um, chapter of the report that they're planning for? And really, um, you know, it points out that, Transport sector has been the fastest growing source of emissions. Um, It's it's grown about 100% uh, in the 30 years to 2020, you know, because there's just more and more vehicles on the road. You know, we're very much a car dependent um, society in the way it's been uh, built. Um, And it's up to about 20% now, I think, in the most recent data of, uh, of our emissions are from the transport sector with road transport accounting for ninety six percent of that so that's where you know the problem is what's
0: the other what's the other four uh, percent trains th- th- th-
1: th- yeah there be, be other uh, yeah probably trains that would be the, would would be the main one so um so like uh, i think a fundamental flaw in the transport section is that seventy percent of the reductions in emissions that they want to achieve out of the transport uh, sector is focused on switching from internal combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles. Now, that's where uh, the bulk of the reduction has to come from. Um, So they're looking for basically to increase the national fleet of uh, electric vehicles and low emitting vehicles by about a million vehicles, you know, with 90% of those uh, being passenger cars. That's a colossal number, you know, by 2030 um, and, and looks basically unachievable already on that and yet they've put pretty much all their money on making this happen in the, in the transport sector the second largest source of emissions in Ireland um,
0: and, and like, know, p- part of the problem with the electric vehicles thing, so well, there's, there's twofold one is that it's the same reliance on roads and the inefficiency that comes with like every house having two or three cars to, you know um, uh, uh, as is, as has been the, the the direction things have been travelling like the most of those cars sitting unused most of the time uh, um but the other problem with it is just like a literal resources point is that these electric vehicles are incredibly resource intensive uh, um and like some some of these rare earth metals and stuff that they need uh, um you, you're talking about reaching the the limits of what we can be producing uh, um just to produce electric vehicles like
1: yeah, I, I, I think we we are merely turning uh, to crash into different uh, d- d- um, different physical limits to what the Earth is is capable of. Um, so but I got some data. It was from uh, I think it's the International Energy Agency. I think um, they were, what they were pointing out is if we're going to to achieve the the, the Paris Agreement targets of staying well below two percent global te- temperature increase uh, based on renewable. Technologies, it's going to mean a quadrupling of mineral requirements for clean energy uh, by 2040. Um, A faster transition to hit net zero by 2050, which we definitely need to be doing, but that would require six times more mineral inputs um, in 2040 compared to today. The the world cannot uh, do that. That is crashing into different planetary boundaries um, and will merely intensify our 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 environmental uh, crisis. So, you know, it's it's a core aspect of the climate action plan that looks simply unsustainable um, yeah, and that's very unlikely to be achieved and would do enormous damage if it was. We-
0: weaning yourself weaning yourself off of alcohol by taking up cocaine or something yeah, like, yeah. you know um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. like a new uh, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of a mass extraction of oil and gas, which they'll probably still be doing instead but instead we're going to have to have a, ma- a mass stepping up of our extraction of these materials. And there's massive um I know it's it's sort of tangential, but there's massive uh, a human health impact of some of these mining practices as well when you when you read horror stories of um, lithium mining and all of that sort of stuff as well. It's well
1: yeah the, the extraction micro. the effect on the the environment and the, the the effect on the communities in which the extraction is taking place is, is enormous. So uh, it's, it's staggering that you know such an important part of a climate action report report is built on something like that.
0: And and there is the frustrating part there, as you were saying, is that there is an easy to imagine alternative on transport, which is just free public transport. Um, and it's not like it not only is it better for the environment, but it's also on an economy-wide scale, it's it's better value for money as well, you know?
1: Yeah, well, well this is it, you know, fr- free, frequent and, uh, and fast public transport. You know, it's something that uh, people for profit, we talk about a lot, uh, as we should, you know. And, and really, I think for a serious climate action plan, that would be really one of your pillar actions within it. Um, you know, based on greatly expanding public transport uh, in terms of its capacity and its geographical reach um, and making it free at the point of use, you know, that, that that's a sustainable transport approach that, that reduces emissions um, rapidly, um, avoids the extremely damaging extractive impacts of, of a switch to uh, electric vehicles um, and and reduces you know the kind of air pollution on those other aspects that are important um, that would be removed by by getting uh, cars off the road. So um, and like so, so, the government recently announced twenty percent reduction in public transport fares. Um, and so my understanding is that that that's been costed at about fifty four million for nine months. Uh, uh, starting from the first of April this year, for a twenty percent reduction. So the maths on that, if you work that up for twelve months to a hundred percent reduction, it works out at about three hundred and sixty million per annum. Uh, and maybe there's some other maths that need to be worked in it. But you know, that to me sounds like a very modest figure you know, for a transformational climate action uh, policy. Um, and it kind of beggars belief that we're still hesitating. Um, Even the 20% reduction, that they say it's a temporary measure just for this year. So we'll see what happens towards the end of the year. But it beggars belief that we're still hesitating on pressing the button on free public transport.
0: The total spend on transport in Ireland in 2020 was 2.7 billion euros, uh, um, according to my quick Google uh, search there. Which just puts like so the overall spend that we're spending on transport as an economy as a whole, uh, um, like less than or like a bit over ten percent of that would cut co- would fund free public transport. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and so it is. It's n- not only environmentally, not only for people's quality of life, being able to just get on a bus and get to work in fifteen or twenty minutes rather than and where you can read or listen to your podcast or whatever. Um rather than having to be stuck in traffic for for 45 minutes or whatever yeah, but also even just in terms of planning you know value for money making the best use of the limited resources we have it, it's it's a no-brainer you know yeah
1: and I'm looking at it right now in terms of cost of living and the cost of fuel it would be a, a huge immediate impact on the cost of living and it would be particularly targeted at probably low to middle income People who would be the primary users of of public transport, so it's it's a massively economically progressive measure as well. So really, on every measure, you know, we should be doing this, and we should be doing it now.
0: Just obviously, there's other chapters as well in terms of uh, stuff on retrofitting and the built environment and that kind of stuff. But the the only the other one that I wanted to pick your brain on or, or get a it seems to be its its biggest. It's a it's a a, a body full of. Achilles heels but probably its biggest Achilles heel is when it comes to agriculture um, yeah. where I think in Ireland Paul Murphy made the point when he spoke at the um, COP26 protest that like in Ireland the equivalent of the oil lobby uh, um, that you hear about in America the Irish equivalent is big big agriculture, big agribusiness you know that they have that political power and, and, and clout and it seems that that is reflected in this climate action plan when it comes to what they're saying and what yeah. they're planning to do on, on agriculture as well yeah.
1: Yeah. So the agriculture sector. So I mentioned at the start, <clears throat> agriculture is the biggest source of uh, emissions in Ireland. Uh, the, the, uh, in 2020, it was 37 percent of the totals. So that, that's massive. But you see within the report, when you go into the sectoral analysis, agriculture has got the, the lowest target emissions reductions uh, targets. It has a range of just 22 to 30 percent. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I go into the detail like there's there's kind of r- strange gaps in the report like this there's, there's very little of the big reductions that are planned for that are tagged to the, you know, the reliable core measures within the agricultural sector with most of the planned reductions tagged to the kind of those nebulous and undefined further measures. So, you know, the, the, it's a particularly big gap there. And, you know, the. In some sections, they, they kind of define what the further measures would look like, and they flag that, you know, these things need to be scaled or the technology needs to be developed, but we think there could be something to work with. On the agriculture section, it just says, you know, big number for for further measures and no definition of, of what they would look like. So um, there's there's a massive gap here in a really important area. And, and, you know, people will remember during COP26 as well, this bizarre thing when the Irish... Government signed up to a global plan to reduce methane um, by thirty uh, percent by 2030, uh, and I think th- th- that the same day or the following day, I actually said, "Well, its own national plan for Ireland would only a t- be a ten percent cut um, from a country that per capita is one of the biggest emitters of of methane because you know agriculture is where that comes from." So, yeah, the agriculture sector is another one that is extremely weak um, and would not build confidence in anybody i think
0: yeah yeah it is um it is bleak unfortunately uh, um okay well uh, on that note <laughs> um, maybe maybe the positive spin to put on it is that it's a bit of a call to arms for us to um redouble redouble our efforts or
1: yeah I, you know it, it, it is a grim story and you know, just to add a, a, another layer of grimness, I, you know, I'm really concerned. Obviously, the appalling uh, invasion of Ukraine by Putin, um you know, is, is is horrific, and what that's triggering in terms of fuel, um and in terms of fuel wars and resource resource wars, is a huge concern. There's so much noise and chatter now of, of basically dumping the fairly modest emissions targets that, that uh, exist. You know, I've heard the chatter in relation to Ireland and certainly globally that there's going to be a, da- a dash again now for, for oil. You know, there's going to be mm-hmm. a dash for gas, you know, a dash a for push, coal.
0: Mm. A push towards importing fracked gas, yeah. um, which is like, they, it's even worse than coal in terms of its environmental uh, and climate impacts. You know?
1: Yeah, so like, I, I would you know um i'm a, a pretty optimistic uh, guy but i would be concerned that this is an, another big moving of uh, the the path the world is on towards the, that ap- apocalyptic scenario unfortunately um uh, so that that's a concern but obviously as social, yeah sorry
0: yeah what was it uh, Gramsci's um uh, pessimism of the intellect but optimism of the will as yeah. in we should we should be re- realistic and assess how bleak the reality is but be optimistic about our potential to intervene and to change it yeah
1: i think that's an excellent quote for where we are now um, but for eco socialists you know you, you 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 keep working on it i mean there was that, that really good piece of news from south dublin county council um where pbp uh, Councillor Madeleine Johansson brought forward a motion that was passed that I think will effectively ban additional data centres for the next development plan, which I think goes through most of this decade. So that was um, an, an important measure. That's something that um, is an example of of what, what we can do. So we've got a, a huge task um, it's, it's, it's you know, can feel overpowering, but, you know, um, you know, that there are things we can do now. And ultimately, you know, um people power will 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 you know uh, will mobilize um to to deal with this but it's uh, yeah it's, it's a big challenge in the meantime
0: okay well thanks again for coming on des uh, um, we'll have you on to tell us something positive next time instead maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you always get the you always get the short end or the, the, the bad one but uh, uh, to, to just uh, and then we, we will be thank again all our supporters on Patreon and maybe to plug uh, um, that new issue of Rupture that is coming out shortly we'll have more on this and, and and other things What could you give us any sneak peek as to what some of the other articles uh, um, or what's the the, the the cover feature special features kind of the de- de- uh,
1: the theme of the magazine this time is is around work. Um, you know so we're going to be covering the likes of of uh, the, the four day work uh, week is, is one of the things. Covering areas like you know, some of the strike waves that are happening in the US and elsewhere, what they're calling the Great Resignation. You know what does this mean? What's happening in uh, globally within capitalism? What it means for for workers and and how they engage with businesses and on on the working day and the working experience. So there's quite a bit. On that, along then with our, our our usual sections on environmental and you know other general political content.
0: And the other thing to to plug is for people who are enjoy the podcast and want to see a real world version of it is that we have Rise is organising um, so Rupture Radio is produced by members of Rise Network within People for Profit, and Rise this summer is organising our first ever eco-socialist summer camp. Um, uh, uh, so we'll put a link to where you can book your place at that and um, that's running over the weekend of the 12th to the 15th of august um we'll be down in glendalock there'll be a series of political sessions discussions guest speakers uh, um but also a chance to uh, uh talk with like-minded people there'll be fun activities and exploration of nature as well uh, um so a, a good opportunity for political discussion and socializing as well after what has been a a couple of years where we haven't really been able to meet up in person, um, so I'll drop a link to that into the uh, episode as well, and uh, I'll see you all next time. Thanks again, Des. All right, thanks again. See you all. Bye.